Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Roy's still here. Hey, um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about when we were talking about China and the possible collapse of their economy that's happening right now, which if you're just tuning in, get the podcast or rewind or whatever you can do, because this is news that's not being reported. Mm. And I, I'm glad to bring that stuff to you because it's just so it's kind of in the weed stuff. But, you know, this is why we're here is to talk about this stuff. But one of the angles that we didn't mention in talking about that, Roy, is that if you have a desperate China the the risk also kind of rises for everybody else because what if they just decide you know what if we're going down we're going to take everybody down that's not beyond them i wouldn't say no i wouldn't put anything past anybody especially in a in a dictatorship communist country like that i my gut would be that rather than take everybody else down is that they would they would try desperately to basically take over something else and then live off of that so i i think the threat now the thing that we talked about with population it's it's hurting their military as well cuz all the military aged people mm-hmm. that they would have had had they not had the the birth restrictions that's very true too <clears throat> but they still got some money and they still got weapons, but I I would see before let's just all let's just blow everything up and we all go down together. I think there would be a a, a push to invade somebody, whether they come Taiwan. all the way over to here or they the, Taiwan will be the first. Mm-hmm. But they could they could go to take let's take Japan because we can live off of them for a little while. It, which Man, none of that I, will work, but I, it that would... sounds really extreme to me. I mean, I know where where you're coming from because a desperate 
major authoritarian government is capable of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they... I don't know if they're, they're even capable of doing that because it would be so detrimental to themselves. You know, I mean, these people, even though it's a decline, assuming it's going to happen, that we're going to see this economic collapse in China that looks like it may be starting, those people will still be in charge. So people who love power, they're not going to give up power, even if they're just ruling over ashes, you know? So, well, and that would threaten their power if they were to really invade somebody. Well, I was talking in terms of like a mutually assured destruction scenario. Oh, I see. Okay. They they wouldn't take themselves out. They'll let okay. their people starve to death. They'll let yeah. their entire population, you know, wither away to nothing. Russia almost did that yeah. years and oh, years I mean, and they, years ago. They, they continue to do that. So as long as they can find another place to feed, basically their power they're like locusts so yeah let's go back to domestic here let's talk about the u.s for a second between now and i don't even want to say november anymore because early voting starts in like august depending on which state you're in Hmm. but let's say between now and then let's say between now and august or september do you expect things to stay pretty much the way they are or is there going to be some sort of major event that, that either planned or unplanned? I mean, maybe this is it. Maybe China economically collapsing could be that major event, and the ripples look like we don't know. But if if between now and then, it just seems like there's there's too much at stake to the powers that be for us to not see any major shakeups between now and then, right? <clears throat> I think so. I I think the the regardless of what people will say publicly, <clears throat> I have to believe that world leaders if if they're in in dire straits with their economies and so forth or with wars or everything else, a Trump presidency could bring stability because he'll back out of all of that stuff. And and it'll just give people time to regroup and and reset from a world leader standpoint, world economies. Well, you're making an interesting point now. What you're saying, I think, is that Trump almost would be the preferred choice of the establishment, the worldwide establishment, because you know what you're getting, and you know that he would basically just come in and everything, because there's so much war. Is that kind of what you're like? There is a lot more war right now than there was four years ago. Right. And that is not the kind of thing that world leaders are like, yeah, this is good. We love this. Right. It happens and then they have to deal with it. But Trump really would stabilize things in that sense. Exactly. That's what you're saying. I think from a foreign policy standpoint, from a a, a global uh, economic standpoint, um, you know the the people who are out there pitching global warming as a as a transfer of wealth they're not going to like it because their their free ride is getting taken but if people are generally concerned about economic stability on a national level or on a global level then a trump presidency would bring cuz he's going to turn he's going to focus here mm-hmm. and try to clean up what's wrong here and as he did in his first term, 
there was no wars. Well, I mean, he we didn't start any or get involved in any. I mean, there, there weren't really any that started in general. There was. I mean, there there's was always a, little yeah. things that pop up here and there, but there there wasn't anything like now. I think in an in an odd way, like you said, the 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 preference would be for people who even don't care about U.S. domestic policy. Just if if you're a country who's really struggling now, a Trump presidency could stabilize not only from a from a military standpoint, an economic standpoint, even a social standpoint, because a lot of these social and cultural things that are spreading around the globe would sort of back down because they would back down here. And I think the U.S. With the woke and the mm-hmm. and a, a lot of that stuff, we're driving that globally. Yeah, it's really amazing that we and do. And I think if if we can calm it down here, it'll calm down in some of these other places. And and again, give people time, even the elites, even the globalists, give them time to kind of whoa, wait a minute now, let's regroup and settle things down. So in a lot of ways, I think it's it's not just good for us. I think it's good for the. The world. I mean, the, the big money people have seen a dramatic, you know, it's weird because in some senses, the value of money has gone down. And so everybody's lost money. But at the same time, when you pump $8 trillion into the economy, into our economy, <clears throat> that doesn't entirely stay here. You know, most of it is intended to. But that money does go, when you pump money into an economy, it really does end up at the top. Like the big companies are the ones that ended up with the bulk of the printed money. So they really did okay. So I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but it's 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 really hard to predict. And the one thing that I have come away with in the last 10 years is thinking, you know what? You have these global power players that have a lot of influence, but I don't think they control as much as they would like. Yeah, that's true. And they definitely don't control the East. You know, these are mostly Western leaders. And when things crop up and pop up, both in Asia and the Middle East, that freaks them out. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know what to do with it. So we're we're talking about wars or you're talking about economic collapse or whatever. These are things that they don't really have a whole lot of control over, but do shake them up. True. But I also think that even... Even hardline, um, you know, economic policy, just a little bit of common sense. It's pretty, I think most people understand, regardless of the selfish inclinations that I want to be richer, it's always better to move existing money than it is to inject new money for an economy. Just make it, make it move from one thing to another you don't have to add more you know the the democrat of the more taxes i mean there's people who still argue to the death about that but it's pretty clear that you will generate more tax revenue by incentivizing growth the existing (laughs) money to work yeah than you will by just take just printing more money or raising more money um the 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 cash flow issue if you get out of the way and you let that machine work that's the part that the the people who really have a lot at stake in terms 
not their own power and wealth, but just the state at, at stake of a of a country surviving. You know, Greece almost yeah went, went, went belly up yeah. after you know, so so things like that. People who have something at stake in these. Even if you're an outside investor in a in a government, um, you still want stability. You want movement of the economy. At the end of the day, when when you get desperate, you've got to go back to what works. You heard it here first. Old Roy said Trump is the establishment pick, and therefore he's going to be <laughs> the next president of the United States and president of the world. I'm not putting words in his mouth. That's pretty much what he said. We'll take a short break. Uh, Nico Moran from Swan Bitcoin is coming up in this hour. Looking forward to that conversation. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over think your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Okay, before we get to Nico Moran talking about central bank digital currencies, that's next. We're going we're gonna to dig. Before we get there, though, a word with Gavin Newsom, who was shopping in Target and spent something like $350 in Target, which I guess is just normal if you're the governor. You got that kind of cash. You got that kind of sling. So he was. He was shopping, and he saw a robbery taking place in Target. Here's the story as told by Gavin Newsom. Says, sir... Uh, you dropped this. And he comes back, picks it up, and keeps walking out. As we're checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out. He didn't pay for that. I said, well, why are you stopping? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story. Oh, my mom's great. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said, that's just not true. Okay, so that's not it, though. It's not just that he saw the robbery and that they, oh, you know, you're talking to the governor. She didn't even know. The clerk was talking to the governor, and she blamed the governor. She didn't know. She didn't know she was talking to Gavin Newsom when Gavin Newsom asked her, hey, why didn't anybody stop that guy? She goes, well, it's the governor's fault. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, There are people suggesting that maybe she did know she was talking to the governor. That's why she did it. It does not appear that that was the case based on what she says next. He said, well, we don't stop him because of the governor. 
And then she goes, she looks at me twice and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation. Where's your manager? How are you blaming the governor? And it was, you know, $380 later. And I was like, why am I spending $380? Everyone can walk the hell right out. So she, so, so she goes, oh my gosh, I just insulted the governor. I want to get some selfies. And she starts calling everybody over to get selfies. And he goes, no, 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 no. I want to talk to you. Uh, so the part in, the, in between there that maybe didn't get pulled in that clip was that he starts telling her stats about theft in California. So she is, they're both witnessing an actual theft. And then he goes, well, why didn't you do anything? And she goes, well, because the governor doesn't enforce anything, because this government doesn't enforce anything. And he says, well, let me tell you about some stats that would prove otherwise. Don't believe your lying eyes that just saw what I also saw. I want you to listen to my stats. It is an amazing exercise in turning off your brain because you're so academic. I'm so smart that I know so many statistics about actual theft in this state, which he says is like 10th in the nation for theft or something. I mean, it's like it's not even really a braggable point that he makes. But I know so much that I, I have to lecture you who just saw a crime and probably sees tons of crime, even though you're seeing more of it than I am. Let me tell you what's really going on. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to this target, which just got robbed. Appreciate your time, but what an amazing story. All right, we're going to stop there because we have to go to Nico Moran. Talk about central bank digital currencies and what they are, why we don't want them. Next. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. On FM Talk, this is Wiggins America. I've been looking forward to all weekend our conversation with Nico Moran, who has been on the show before. So welcome back, Nico. Happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me back. So your time with uh, Swan, Swan Bitcoin has been very valuable in explaining a lot of what, you know, this is a big world that we're we're talking about with finance and the way things are changing and with digital currency in general and Bitcoin 
And I, you know, Trump was in the news recently for saying, and and lots of other people have said this too, but he, you know, he made some headlines recently saying, if I'm president, we will not allow a central bank digital currency. Now, when he said that, something popped into my mind that I thought, I think I know what that means, but I'm not exactly sure. So that's why I said, let's have Nico Moran from Swan Bitcoin back on to kind of explain, at least in layman's terms, what is a central bank digital currency? Yeah, so a central bank digital currency is essentially, in my opinion, the government's attempt to maintain control over money. Uh, I think they see Bitcoin and the rise of other digital currencies as a, as a threat to their system. And because Bitcoin is fully decentralized, they can't just really, you know, flick the switch. So what they're hoping for is to roll out these central bank digital currencies as quickly as humanly possible for them to be able to maintain the privilege of being able to create money for free that everyone else has to work for. So in the United States, we have multiple different payment platforms, whether it's Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Zelle. There's so many of them. And one of the arguments from the current administration as to why central bank digital currencies are necessary is to improve the efficiency of payments. I don't know about you, but all those platforms make payments extremely efficient in the United States. The real, in my opinion, the real uh, push for these CBDCs, again, is for the government to continue to try to hope to maintain control or their monopoly on not only the creation of money, but also also the flows of money. Think about it this way, because these CBDCs have already been rolled out in, uh, in mainland China. It would allow the government to essentially turn off your money at a moment's notice. It would allow them to install social controls. And essentially what that means is, let's say you you behave badly in the eyes of the government, they could penalize you, right? Uh, Your money having an expiration date. There's so many uh, reasons as to why a central bank digital currency is not only necessary, uh, it it could lead to so many abuses by government. Okay, so explain to me, I, I think I follow you, but the, what I can't get my head around is that when I spend money now, so much of it is digital that I don't really get the difference between having a digital dollar versus having what this is a central bank digital currency. Is this a new kind of currency? Because so many things I do are already digital anyway. So you hit the nail on the head, right? It's like, wait a second, hold on. Like, I already, I don't really have cash. I have, you know, my debit card. I have my account. Like, everything that I do is digital, right? You hit the nail on the head. Where's the necessity for this? Hmm. But to answer your question directly, essentially, instead of you having a relationship with your bank and your bank is the custodian of your money, you would essentially have a direct account with the Fed itself. You would have a direct account with the government itself. Essentially, the government would be the bank. And, uh, you know, I think history has shown many, many examples as to why that would be a terrible idea. Uh, so essentially, that's what it that's what it would be. You would have a direct account with, uh, you know, with uh, with the government. You would have a direct account with uh, with the central bank. And essentially, they would function as your bank. They would function as your custodian. But again, it, it goes back to my original point. Why is that necessary? I, it, I don't really understand why that's necessary. We have efficient payments. We have uh, private companies that are trying to tackle this problem, but 
my opinion, and this is actually a paper that was released a couple years ago, central bank digital currencies are a response to the adoption of Bitcoin. They're a response to the adoption of alternative, uh, alternative platforms that the government doesn't control. The head of the European Central Bank, her name is Christine Lagarde, she calls Bitcoin and alternative currencies, she calls them an escape valve. Central bank digital currencies, the government's last attempt, it's like their Hail Mary attempt in order to maintain their control and their monopoly over money. Interesting. Okay, so if uh, so, Bitcoin comes out, and we can say confidently, at least I think, that there is no inflation, or if it's if there is, there's a very very small sustained inflation with Bitcoin, with new ones being created all the time. Is that accurate? Yeah. So it's so Bitcoin is a deflationary currency, meaning about every four years the supply gets cut uh, cut in half, meaning the supply that's being. Uh, the supply that's being mined, the supply that's being actively uh, put onto the market, that supply gets cut in half every four years. There's no other asset that offers uh, that. Offers that. Uh, if, if you compare that to fiat currency, there's an unlimited amount, really. There's no limit to how much more money they can print, right? There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. And because there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin, it creates absolute scarcity. That's why Bitcoin has been the best performing asset of the last 10, 15 years, because it's for the first time in human history, even if people wanted to mine more Bitcoin, get more Bitcoin, they physically couldn't because of the current protocol rules. If you compare that with gold, gold is pretty scarce. But the thing is, if the price of gold rises, the, manufacture, the, the mining of gold also increases with it. If the price of Bitcoin rises, it doesn't matter. The supply stays the same. The amount of Bitcoin being mined, no matter what, gets cut in half every four years. And that creates a situation where you have the most scarce asset in human history. So Nico Moran with Swan Bitcoin is on with us right now. So if you have a dollar or a Japanese yen or a government-controlled even digital currency that they're saying, hey, there, we get that there's some benefits to Bitcoin. We just want to make that a government version of that. But if they did, it wouldn't be as scarce. They would want to be able to print as much as they could, right? Governments are will never be able to do two things that Bitcoin offers, right? Number one is governments will always want to debase the currency. That's how they pay for the deficit spending. That's how they pay for things they cannot afford with tax revenue alone. So governments will always want to debase currency, and governments will always want to censor. They'll always want to at least try to control the money flows. And those are two things that Bitcoin offers that governments, even if they really wanted to, even if they promised, uh, they could not help themselves but not to do those two things, right? So that's really the, that's really the key uh, determining factor. And we're heading into a future where people are going to have to pick and choose. And it's, you know, it's a little bit obfuscated right now, but it is getting included in the political discourse. As you know, you've seen uh, 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 Donald Trump mention it. You've seen Ron DeSantis. You've seen Vivek Ramaswamy. You've seen on the other side, you've seen RFK Jr. Both mention that uh, not only are CBDCs a terrible idea, but uh, Bitcoin is actually a good idea. So it is being talked about in the political discourse. That will, that will continue to accelerate in the next couple of years. This will be a hot-button issue, I guarantee you, by election year 2028. And people are going to have to pick and choose whether they want to 
use a currency that is deflationary, meaning your purchasing power increases over time, or do they want to use a currency that is inflationary, meaning your purchasing power decreases over time? You People have been convinced that for some reason your money has to lose value. That is not true, and that is what Bitcoin proves, and that's why governments are so scared, and that's why they're rolling out these CBDCs as fast as humanly possible. Man, it's so interesting to stay ahead of the curve on this because, like you said, you know, this is something that the politicians are beginning to address now. You mentioned DeSantis. I was going to say his name, too, Ramaswamy. I didn't even know he had talked about it. Uh, RFK Jr., great to hear that he is, too, because I didn't know that. Um, but they're, they're talking about it, but you're right. It's not front and center yet. They're just sort of addressing it, which I guess is good that they are addressing the issue. But like you said, in 2028, maybe even beyond that, this is going to be something that will be affecting everyday consumers should they continue to push for it. Nico, I want to, before we run out of time here, I, I want to ask you just in general, can you give us an idea of why I've seen personally uh, Bitcoin has risen dramatically in the last few months? Uh, it was kind of at a low, and I, I'm glad to say that I bought hey, I, I dabbled in it. I didn't really buy a lot, but I, I wanted to just buy some to say that I bought some, and I did so at the right time, and now it's get, gone back up. What is the reason for that? Yeah, so it's infinity divided by 21 million, right? There's an infinite amount of dollars, but there's only 21 million Bitcoin. So, uh, you know, as long as they continue to print, which they can't help themselves but to do that, uh, you know, this thing's going to go up forever. It's meant to go up forever. And that sounds unbelievable, right? You see, you hear that, you're like, yeah, that sounds kind of weird, right? But uh, just do the math. It's very simple math. Infinity divided by 21 million. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin. And I'll break it down like this. There's, there's roughly 60 to 70 million millionaires all around the world. If every single one of those millionaires wanted to buy just one Bitcoin, they physically could not buy one. There's not enough, there's not enough for them, right? So this thing is absolutely scarce. It will protect your purchasing power. It is not meant to be traded. It is meant as savings. Bitcoin is savings. So you know, if you t- if you take a portion of your income, whether that's 10, 20 percent, whatever you can afford and you put you put it aside and you don't touch that thing, you know, Bitcoin will protect your purchasing power, protect your energy, your time, which is currently being stolen from via inflation, via currency debase- debasement. Nico Moran of Swan Bitcoin. Man, I really appreciate your knowledge and your time and for being a resource for us on these topics. How do people find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, you could find me on Twitter, or I think it's called X now. You could go to at BitVolt, and uh, you could find me there, and uh, you can hear some more of my thoughts. And uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me on the show. It's uh, It's been great, like always. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, well, we will continue to connect with you when these issues come up, because I appreciate your knowledge on them. This is Wiggins America. We will be right back. You know, since there's all these questions about whether somebody is eligible to run for office or not, or to be on certain states' ballots, as we're going through constantly, uh, let's talk about the actual Constitution. What, what, it, what does it say about requirements to be the president? Well, it's pretty simple, and you may have heard all, some of this already, or all of this. If you're a constitutional expert, I have a feeling that maybe the thing we're going to end on in this segment you may not have heard, even. Uh, well, if you're a constitutional expert, you probably have, but most people haven't. What are the requirements to be president? Must be at least 35 years old, okay? 
must be a natural-born citizen of the United States. So there's question about what natural-born citizen means. But as it's always been interpreted, it means that you were born in the U.S. Must have lived in the U.S. for 14 years. That's very, very clear. So how is the president elected? Well, in order to be elected president of the United States, a candidate must receive at least 270 electoral votes. This amount is more than half of all the electors in the nation since the Electoral College consists of 538 electors. In 48 states and in Washington, D.C., who also gets electors, the winner of the statewide vote receives all the electoral votes for the presidency. Maine and Nebraska have a proportional system and assign their electors based on this. Generally speaking, if you watch these things, Nebraska goes all red, Maine goes almost all blue, but that one extra electoral vote can switch to red pretty often. That's why it's kind of actually a big deal that they might try to keep, or they already are, trying to keep Trump off the ballot in Maine. Because most of these states, Illinois, California, probably Colorado, uh, these aren't states that Trump was going to win anyway. But Maine, he could have taken an electoral vote there. I mean, it's wrong anyway. I'm just saying, as far as the outcome goes. The presidency is not decided by the popular vote of the nation. It's possible to win the popular vote but lose the electoral college. This occurred in 2016, 2000, and three times in the 1800s. If no candidate... Now, here's where it gets interesting in 2024, because this could happen if you have a really good third-party candidate, RFK, Manchin, one of the, I think it's pretty much just one of those two is the only ones that could pull it off. If no candidate receives a majority of the electoral votes... The decision of who becomes president goes to the House of Representatives. Now, keep in mind, hang on, before we get there, keep in mind that you'd have to have, you can't just have a third party candidate that does well. You have to have a third party candidate that actually wins some states. Because as we just said, it's not a proportional system. It's not as if you win Pennsylvania, you get, well, he, you know, he, he did okay, he got five electoral votes. No, it's whoever wins the state gets all the electoral votes. So you have to have somebody who's, big enough that they could win multiple states for this to happen. So if there's nobody that gets a majority of the electoral votes, as in 270, the decision of who becomes president goes to the House of Representatives. So who controls the House of Representatives is the key. Right now, that's Republicans. But as I've researched this, the article doesn't say this, but as I've researched it, it looks like the House is sworn in before the president. Therefore, it would be whatever the new House is. So in 2024, if Democrats were to take back the House and then there was nobody in charge of the Electoral College or nobody took 270, then Democrats would get to decide and vice versa with Republicans. The House then picks the new president from the top three candidates, while the Senate elects the vice president from the remaining top two candidates. You catching that? The House would pick the president. So let's say it is Trump. But let's say the Democrats still control the Senate. The Senate then elects the vice president from the remaining top two candidates. So let's say it's Trump, Biden, and RFK Jr. The House would pick Trump. The Senate could pick Biden to be the vice president. This scenario actually did happen in 1824 when John Quincy Adams was president. But that's not... Back then, they actually did this pretty often where they'd pick a vice president from the opposite party. That has not happened in recent history. So 
Who becomes president? Now, here's the one that I said, and if, if, you, if you're not really a constitutional expert, you're probably not going to know this. Who becomes president if the current president is unable to perform his or her duties? The vice president assumes the presidency if the president is unable to perform their duties, according to the White House and the Constitution. Uh, this can occur for various reasons, including, one, the president's death, Two, the president's resignation. Three, the president's temporary incapacitation. And here's where it gets interesting. Or four, if the vice president and a majority of the cabinet deem the president is no longer able to perform the duties of the presidency. Now, they didn't just come up with those four on their own. That's actually a part of the 25th Amendment. The first one, section one, is in the case of the president's death. Section two is the president's resignation. That's only happened once, Richard Nixon. The third is the president's temporary incapacitation, and it says whenever the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, the representatives, his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers. Now, this has actually happened in this administration, I believe. It got no notice because I think it lasted maybe a day. President Biden had to go in for a small procedure. Well, during that procedure, which was probably four hours, he had written to the Senate and the House, hey, for the time being, for this time that I am going to be under, the vice president shall assume the presidency. I'm, I'm reciting that from memory, but I do think that that happened. It was, it was such a blip, and I think maybe that's pretty common if the president has to go under anesthesia or something, that that happens. But it, it happens. And so that's section three. If the president knows, hey, I'm going to be incapacitated, here is what's going to happen. That's how it happens. Now, Section 4 is where it gets really interesting. This is if the vice president and a majority of the cabinet deem the president no longer able to perform the duties of the presidency. Now, I'm reading directly from the 25th Amendment here. If you're wondering how this happens, because a lot of people think that what's going to happen is Biden will get enough votes to become the nominee, but then his own cabinet and Kamala Harris and these are separate entities, by the way, in the 25th Amendment, will both deem him incapable, and then she will take over, and then possibly somebody else, even her, would then assume the position of not only president for that time, but the nominee as well. Now, that doesn't have to be the same person. She could be the president sitting or acting president while they nominate somebody else because he's become because the rules are different for nomination versus presidency. But it's very, very interesting because you have to have both the vice president and the majority of the cabinet decide that he is incapacitated. Then they write their intent to the Senate and to the Speaker of the House that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office and the vice president immediately assumes the powers and duties of the office as acting president, regardless of whether the president wants to or not. Though, in this case, you would have to have buy-in from Biden. Buy-in from Biden. Because the president could then immediately, even though the vice president has taken over with the majority of the cabinet, the president could immediately go to the president of the Senate, the president pro tempore of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House, and issue his written declaration that no inability exists. And then he would immediately resume the powers and duties of the office. So then what happens? Because there's the, now there's a power struggle. So Congress would have to decide 
It says within four days, by law, whether the president is actually in charge or the vice president is in charge because you have dueling factions here. So you'd have to have the full buy-in, two-thirds of the Senate and the House of Representatives confirm either way. Well, actually, I think they would have to confirm that the vice president is actually in charge. Because if they didn't get two-thirds, it would revert back to the actual president because he was in charge before. So I don't think it's actually possible that they could remove Biden from office and put Vice President Kamala Harris in as president without full buy. I mean, unless he actually has a medical incident, in which case we would all see it. You'd know, okay, he, he's, he's laid up. He can't talk. You know, he's in a coma or something. Whatever it is, if Biden didn't buy into it, it wouldn't happen. Because you're not going to get two-thirds of the House, at least, nor the Senate, to confirm that he is out when he is the nominee. Because it looks like right now he will be the nominee. I just thought I would share that because a lot of people like to throw that around. That they're going to take him out of office using the 25th Amendment. But it doesn't look like that's possible unless Biden agrees to it, which means Section 4 wouldn't even really happen. It would be Section 3 of the 25th Amendment. And then, of course, if he is agreeing to it, it would just be like resigning, just like anything else. But they can't forcibly remove him. It doesn't look like to me. All right. It's been a show. Thanks for listening. You can get the podcast if you just tune in at the end and you're like, oh, what the heck he's talking about? You want to hear the rest of the show? Get the podcast by typing in Wiggins America. It's in multiple locations. We'll see you next week. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.